all attention, ladies and gentlemen. We're now arriving in Detroit. Once again, this is Detroit Woodward Street Station. And thank you for riding Amtrak. We're here, Salud. Cheers. Cheers. So welcome to the Wisendell Weekly Wrap-Up. We were talking about architecture and design and everything in between. Uh, still in Detroit this week. Uh, I have a special guest with me taking us through some wine today. So go ahead, you can introduce yourself. Uh, hi, I'm Liz Martinez, um, formerly of Chicago for 11 years. Um, I've been in Detroit for three and a half or so years. Okay. Um, was um, brought here to write the wine list at Prime and Proper in downtown Detroit. And currently I am the general manager and director of wine at a restaurant in Birmingham, Michigan called Casa Pernoy. Nice, very nice. Um, what were, What's the size difference between Prime and uh, the current restaurant? Um, well, it really kind of depends because, uh, you know, with the 50% capacity, we really try and maximize all the space that we can True. outside. Yeah. Um, luckily, we have a landlord that has allowed us to sort of spread out into the courtyard beyond the restaurant. Uh, so we've been just sort of getting really creative with that spacing. But uh, Prime and Proper was pretty big. I would say, you know, we're probably doing about the same numbers um, as we were doing there, but just, you know, social distance. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm sure that's, uh, I'm sure we'll get into that as far as the COVID. <clears throat> So what are we uh, what are we tasting? Uh, so the first wine that we're drinking today is um, uh, Sigolas. Uh, it's a the grape is called a Sirico. Um, this is a wine from the island of Santorini uh, in Greece. Um, it's a really interesting area. It's a very small island. It's um, an area that there was a huge volcanic eruption, probably the biggest in human history. And really? Um, it really sort of left a, a huge impact on the island in terms of the soil and everything like that. So um, a lot of the soil and a lot of the vineyards are planted in the soil that's three stories deep of volcanic soil that's uh, studded with pumice stones. Wow. And so there's no irrigation on the island. Um, the only way that these vines get any sort of water is from sort of the, the morning fog that comes in and it soaks into that volcanic soil and that's how they that's how they yeah. get their water so <laughs> they're, they're struggling for sure yeah um, and, what, and what characteristics does that volcanic uh you know it definitely it. lends a lot of minerality in minerality. minerality to the wine yeah um, but i also get a lot of saltiness in these wines yeah. um i think that they are uh you know really great acid for being uh, grown in such a really hot place uh, it's a really hot um island in just right in the middle of that sort of right off the coast of Athens and um, the Peloponnese so you know it's really hot yeah and it's hard to achieve that high acid in those sort of conditions um, one other thing that I will say that helps with that is um, that when they are uh, growing the vines they actually train them um, they come up out of the ground and they train them in a big circle and it sort of creates a like a basket almost and the basket protects the grapes. Oh, and wow. So that's how they sort of, um, you know, protect them from that heat and the really high winds that they get on the island. So. Is that a technique that they only Yeah, I haven't do? seen it anywhere seen, else. I, I, I haven't mean, heard it. There's I haven't heard bush that. training in other parts of the world and things like that that are similar, that are, you know, they do that for the same reason. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it's called culora or culore. Okay. And it's, uh, you know, it's something that I've only seen in Santorini. I was on the island four years ago. Wow. Um, so it was pretty cool to sort of see 
you know, those those vineyards and yeah. the soils and everything. So. Yeah, that's amazing. Is that how you came across them? Or how um, did you discover them? I was working at the Purple Pig in Chicago okay. for a number of years. Um, so at Purple Pig, at that point, it was only, um, there was no domestic wine on the list. And I had about 90 wines by the glass. A big chunk of them were Greek um, because uh, one of my owners is Greek. And, you know, he's very good friends with a Greek wine importer, Ted Diamantis of Diamond Importers, um, and Ted took me to Greece, and so we were able to travel around, and I was able to see firsthand and meet the winemakers, oh, that's and awesome. sort of travel all over, and, you know, we started out in Santorini, and ended yeah. up, you know, off the coast of Greece in the Peloponnese, which is pretty amazing. So, oh my god, that's yeah. gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was breathtaking. And then now, with everything going on, like, I yearn for travel yeah, and hearing that you know I, you're yeah traveling. i went up north last weekend because i was like what else are we gonna do you know let's <laughs> go to the beach yeah <laughs> um and then you just you said you mentioned that you just right before the covid shutdown you're in argentina yeah i was i was approached by a winery that's not currently in the u.s okay and um you know i, I think they sort of want me to represent them so yeah um they it was funny because the guy flew out here to bring me the wines just one day, you know, hey, here's these wines that I want you to taste. So I tasted the wines and, you know, I kind of assessed them and I wrote a review for them and it's on their website and everything. But then they wanted me to go down to the winery and see what they're doing. Um, and it was in Mendoza. So, you know, a really majestic area. The, the mountains are incredible. You can really just see sort of geology at its best, you yeah. know, like how the where the the mountains just start going up and it's like they're crazy huge and it's um uh, i don't know it was really interesting how long, how long were you there for i was there for eight days okay so you i think that was a lot en- of different enough wineries. time or oh uh, yeah it definitely was yeah um you know i, I saw some really cool things um one of the things I, I went down there for a malbec winery and uh the winemaker is a really famous italian winemaker atilio pali and uh he has a really great um, assistant anna but uh, one of the things that I found was that I really actually liked the Cabernet Franc a lot more than I liked the Malbec down there. Okay. Um, we went to um, El Enemigo, uh, which is the winemaker from Catena Zapata. We went to Catena Zapata. And everywhere that we went, I really enjoyed the Cabernet Franc more than the Merlot. So I mean, the Malbec. So I hope nobody gets mad at me for saying that. <laughs> for our millions of fans. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Um I went to France maybe, um, I don't even know how long it was now, but I got hooked on the Rhones and hooked on that, and I, I had the intention of starting up in the Bordeaux and kind of going down the south of France and, of course, you know, budget. I was just, I just stayed in Nice. But anyways, um, that is kind of my extension of traveling and trying wine in a different uh, place. Have, have you, what other, you said Argentina, yeah, and then you said uh, Greece. Greece. I've been to Italy a number of times. Uh, my ex-husband was actually a chef from France, so I spent some time in the Loire Valley, which is where he's oh from. Oh, my God, nice. Um, I've been to Spain and Portugal. And then last year I was actually invited to the island of Madeira, which was absolutely amazing. Yeah, where, where's that? Uh, so it's about 400 miles off the coast of Morocco. Okay. Um, and it's a Portuguese island. Uh, the wines there are, you know, it's the wines of our forefathers. This is what they were drinking when they signed the Declaration of Independence. So, Damn. Yeah, super cool wines, but it's a 
very different approach to winemaking than I've ever seen before. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, a few of the guests that I've had on this podcast, they're, they've been pushing a lot of the uh, natural winemaking and just letting the plants and to do like what it does. And, um, that's, do you see that? Obviously you see that more in the, uh, European countries. Yeah. Um, um I mean, without throwing any jabs on anybody in natural yeah. wine, but I, I actually, I guess I'm sort of more of a traditionalist when it comes okay. to those things. But if you go to the European countries, I mean, they're just sort of, they don't put a bunch of things in there anyways, you know, they're yeah. just, they, they, they've been making their wines a certain way for however many centuries and they, you know, they're just more natural anyways. But, mm-hmm. you know, I am always concerned about natural quote unquote wines. Yeah. Um, being unstable or not having a shelf life or changing a lot in the bottle. And so I, I guess that's in that way, that's why I'm sort of a traditionalist. No, it's great. Yeah. It's it, because I always think, you know, well, what's the other opposite side of it? Right. And it is the shelf life. It is the bottle um, that I don't think a lot of people think about yeah. or really know. And they, they're like, is the wine supposed to taste like this? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Well, you cracked it. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Excuse me. So, yeah, and since we're kind of around the topic of uh, service, um, how has service changed throughout your tenure, would you say, as far as uh, wine is concerned and overall hospitality? And I know it's a weird question now because of yeah, the I current mean, situation. Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny because... Um, you know, I have worked in some fine dining restaurants. Uh, at one point, I was running Topolabampo and was the assistant som there in Chicago. And, you know, that's fine dining. We were doing table-side mole pours and sauce pours and things like that, uh, tasting menus. Um, so that was very thoughtful and methodical, you know, service. Um, but over the years, for me personally, I feel like um, service should be more warm and uh, humble and... Um, comfortable but polished mm-hmm. and that's sort of what I'm trying to achieve with my staff at Casa Pernoy because we are a polished casual restaurant um, you know I mean it's not cheap by any means yeah but I think that it's really important that you know no matter what kind of restaurant you work in whether it be casual or, or fine dining that it should still be warm I think people are not I think people go into restaurants and they don't really expect that cold sort of like I'm telling you how to serve you type thing. Sure. You know, I think talking to your guests and sort of understanding what they expect from their experience and try to cater to that or to curate their experience. And I think that's sort of what I think that's where we should be. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's organic conversation with your guest or just reading the signs or mm-hmm. reading their body language, mm-hmm. talking to them and then figuring out the best way to sort of um, give them the best know, experience. choreograph that experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It's interesting that you use the word humble because that's I haven't heard that term when describing wine or hospitality, but it's truly it, it's truly what it is. Right. The humble the humbleness about it. And. Um, I think the pretension, pretentiousness will, should go out the window yeah. and like all of that. And I think that'll open up a lot more conversations and a lot more doors for sure. Yeah, I mean, it is pretentious in, in many ways for you to come into my restaurant and me to tell you how I'm going to serve you. Right. You know, so right. 
I mean, I'm not saying I'm your servant by any means, but yeah, right, right. we're here to serve you. And yeah. so how can I, how can I figure out the best way to do that? Well, and, and there's always that, you know, it's just, everything's just so fucked up right now. Yeah. And it's, what I was going to say is that it's often reciprocated, right? Like sometimes you get guests who they, they do expect you to serve them. And right. that humbleness like goes out the window, like, yo man, you, should, you, don't, you don't have to treat them that way. I remember one yeah. time I got snapped at, oh, at yeah. a restaurant when I was a waiter. I felt my <clears throat> I felt my blood just fucking skyrocket. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. That would like, happen a lot at Purple Pig. Yeah. Um, it, was a, it was a certain country <laughs> that would do that. They, and I will tell you now, they're like, oye, oye. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> Hold on a second now. Let's, let's step back here a minute, okay? Oh, the snap is yeah, so that's so demeaning. So demeaning. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yeah, that's that one drives me up a fucking yeah. wall. Um, but yeah, in in I, I guess now that you're in Detroit, you know how has it seems like you've been a, a, a long around the way. So what in Detroit is kind of happening as far as the the hospitality scene currently? Um. I would say that one of the most interesting things that I've encountered was when I was at Prime and Proper and we were getting ready to open the restaurant and we were trying to hire people. And, you know, there was, there's people that were old school kind of like, you know, career servers. Yeah. Um, but I, that's not really what we were looking for. We were looking for the humble, genuine person that was, you know, it was a service model that forces people to be team players. And so we had to find people that could do that and sort of the old school sort of, that didn't really work. Yeah, what we were doing. So I ended up starting to hire people based on their attitude, which I think is very important. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't, it's hard to find people that care. And that's really, for me, one of the most important things, because if you care, then you're willing to put things aside and try and figure out the best way to do your job. Yeah. Um, and to sort of fall into the whole team atmosphere. Um, and it was very much a team there you know mm -hmm. especially when you're in a pooled house um the way that they had service was that you would have two servers mm -hmm. one of them would be like more of the culinary expert and the other one would be, would be more of the beverage expert but in order to make that work you have to work together you yeah. have to communicate you know sort of for, sorry not to cut you off for the yeah. people who are listening that don't know hospitality what is pool uh pool tip pool is means. uh you know when all of the tips that everybody makes goes into one large pool and then they are distributed either evenly or based on you know however many hours you worked or mm -hmm. there's sometimes like a point system where you know the servers get so many points you know and other positions get another a, point. A lower point than yeah. that so, okay gotcha. yeah it's a way of distributing your your tips mm -hmm. um, evenly throughout the staff okay cool yeah. I just wanted to make sure. I, yeah, no, that's you know, a good question. I probably it's, should have clarified that. No, 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 no. Because sometimes, like, when people listen, they're like, well, you guys should probably go more into this or go more into that, you know, just for yeah. the – but that's okay. Um, but, yeah, the attitude. I think that's that's true in life, right? Like, yeah. you have to have a good attitude and you have to care about this yeah. stuff. And I, you can't teach people to care. You can't. You so, can't coach heart. That's for sure. That's, they always say that. It, it, it was tough at first, you know. I mean, we had to weed out a couple of people, but – um, I think in the end, we found a lot of people that were like, we're in this together, mm -hmm. you know, they're helping each other out, mm -hmm. you know, going into it like, like a team every night, like, 
you know yeah going into the lineup talking about you know hey this is what we're doing tonight go out there team and get them you know it was yeah. that sort of atmosphere yeah and i'm i'm working on that with my current team as well but i, I have a really fantastic team that's very, awesome. very small team right now but you know everybody just comes to work and they're ready to work yeah you know i yeah. don't have to chase them around or anything right, right, which right. is right. a real pain in the ass <laughs> let me tell you they just come to work and do their job yeah and, and it's interesting like the culture aspect right or the team aspect um and for those of you who don't know there's an aspect of the hospitality industry called family meal comida mm-hmm. um i don't know how how often you guys have it. do you guys have it currently they or? do some at the end of the night on like especially on hard nights you know yeah. they make sometimes they'll make tacos or okay. you know some the chef likes to make Thai food, so sometimes he does something like that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. We always used to have, in my, in my experience, the pre-shift or was bef- the family meal was before the pre-shift, just to make sure everybody got there. You yeah. didn't chase everybody around. It's a and, good way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, at the current restaurant, or in, in in your experience, do a lot of chefs try different things out during family meal, or no? Um, I think this chef, uh, his name is Logan Rob. He definitely does. You know, yeah. He, um, you know, we're, we're like a farm-to-table Italian restaurant. You know, we make pasta every day. And, you know, nice. It's, it's, Do you guys have gluten-free options? Yep. Okay. Good. <laughs> oh, I, I would assume. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> an area that calls for a lot of gluten-free options. Gotcha. So, okay. Um, we, a lot of our food is actually gluten-free outside of the pasta. Oh, okay. But, you know, he gets real creative, and I know for a fact, you know, he really likes to do a lot of, when he, he says when he cooks at home, he cooks a lot of Thai food and sort of like really aromatic dishes and things like that. So I yeah. tell him we should open up a Thai restaurant, and I can get a bunch of aromatic whites in there, and we can. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's my vision. There we go. There we go. Um, yeah, the, I, th- I think the culture thing, uh, not to stay on that, but I think it's very interesting. It's important. Um, it's important, and it's important to get the buy-in and the ownership of what people are doing. And I think the hospitality industry specifically, it's tough. It's tough to get buy-in. That's why I think, like, the different hotels and things like that, like, the customer service is, you know, really hard to nail down because you have to get your staff to buy in like yeah you have to care about this place and i think sometimes that's really difficult when you know that that place is making money profit and little he or she you know you are you expect me to care about this place like it's tough well that's you know i i often talk with my staff in lineup about things like you know I want everybody to come to work and actually sort of like coming to work. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so how do we achieve that? You know? Yeah. Um, I am sort of known as a little bit of a hard ass yeah. um, and a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think people appreciate that about me yeah. um, because I come to work and, you know, I have a certain methodical way of doing things and I like the dining room to look immaculate and I, you know, am, when I ask somebody to do something, I always say please and thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like, you know, just being appreciative and delegating, but in a thoughtful way. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's a big part of the culture, too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you started, you went there in January. How long has the restaurant been open? The restaurant um, was a fine dining concept before shutdown. Okay. And then they reopened as this farm-to-table, fresh Italian restaurant. Ah. And that's when I started there. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I want to give a quick shout-out to Andrea Kaji for yeah. hooking us up and linking us up together. I, every time I know 
I'm trying to do something in Detroit or getting to uh, know people. She was very quick to say, you got to hit Liz up. Like, that's great. How do, how do you know her? Um, well, I know her from Chicago, actually. Oh, so yeah. I think it's when she was at Violet Hour. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then um, I came here and I saw her working somewhere. I don't remember where it was. And I was like, I kind of like had a weird like brain meltdown. Because yeah. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I think it was Candy Bar. Oh, and nice. And I saw her there and I was like, what's going on right now? <laughs> so, you know, I've had a, had a few drinks. Yeah. Saw somebody from my Chicago life and I was like, uh. Yeah. But she's great. She's amazing. She, you know think she's a a good advocate for the women in hospitality and that Mm -hmm. you know that alone is amazing yeah for sure and and that's a whole nother issue right the women in hospitality and that is um yeah that's something that's tough to combat yeah i mean you know it's i i often tell people you know it's i am known as a hard ass i straight up like that people know me as being kind of tough but you know, I was explaining to somebody the other day that, you know, for me being a woman in my position, there are there are men that will try and be kind of bullies to me, and I have to Bully stand back. my ground, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, it's it's not it's not fun. No, right. You know, but uh, it's just something that as a woman, you know, yeah. we have to do. Yeah. We just really have to stand our ground when things yeah. like that come to us because. You know, I, I, I don't like being railroaded. I don't like, right. you know, I don't want people to think that I'm a pushover. I'm like, this is me, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and I need to be able to do my job. Yeah. And, you know, you're in my way right now. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. It, it's, uh, it's a slippery slope because there's a lot of males that take advantage the other way, too. Right. Yeah. And the staff and, you know, that that's why when the uh, Me Too movement was going on or still going on but uh, when it was getting a lot of light I kept thinking to myself and talking to my inner circle I'm like have you guys ever seen a restaurant like how a restaurant works like there's fucking lawsuits in every you walk a block down Chicago you're getting all those restaurants had fucking lawsuits oh, yeah. smacking like ass smacking ass <laughs> and saying shit and yeah that's I'm like but, that's just but, how I grew up I don't know yeah <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that that is something that's um, that's an issue for the um, for the hospitality industry. Yeah. Um, and I know Andrea has been doing a lot of uh, events and things like that as well in the city. And uh, ha- has that was that? And again, this is so weird now. Yeah. But was that a big part of the hospitality industry in in Detroit? We were doing a lot of fun things. Um when I left Prime and Proper in January, I was doing classes at the Royce, um, nice. you know, just pick a topic, you know, blind tasting, Greek yeah. wine, you know, yeah. whatever. And then I was also doing a monthly wine dinner at um, Pingho's other rest, uh, other uh, establishment, Mero. Okay. So, you know, the chefs and I would go in and taste wine together and come up with a fun menu and, you know, Spanish yeah. or Italian yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah, and there was a lot of things like that were, that were going on. I was like, kind of getting used to that money coming in yeah. and just kind of working that way and thinking yeah. maybe I don't have to go back to restaurants right now. You know, I can yeah. just kind of chill out for a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as we said before, I mean, the the hospitality industry is taxing for sure, yeah. and it's uh, 
Although I do recommend, everybody always says, you know, you have to work in the restaurant industry to, to really get that experience as a well-rounded person yeah. to understand. I wish. I wish. <laughs> like some of you, some of you have not worked in the restaurant and, and you can tell. Yeah. It's very apparent. <laughs> very apparent. <laughs> uh, the people at the rice seemed nice though. And yeah. uh, when I was picking up the wine and... Um, like oh yeah you're felix and you know whatever <laughs> and then i was leaving they're like bye felix i'm like oh you know yeah, thank they're you super like, cool yeah i live about a block away from there okay um, ping is is one of my best friends in detroit um and you know like i said i do cla- i was doing classes there but yeah. it's a great place because they have retail as well so right. you know sometimes i just go grab a bottle of wine mm-hmm. or you know you can sit out on the patio they have charcuterie and mm-hmm. a bunch of cheeses and things like that so it's a really great place to have in the neighborhood and it's it's you know i think that, that she had they have a lot of fans you know? yeah and for those that don't know the rice is down in the heart of detroit on adams and woodward yeah basically yeah adams and woodward grand circus park yeah grand circus park um so definitely go over there and check them out and are there a lot of wine stores like that in the city i feel like those are far and few between not really, right not really i mean she caters to a pretty a pretty big group of people in Detroit. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of the hospitality people know about yeah. the Royce and kind of hang out there too. So, yeah. you know, it's 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 fun because it's not pretentious. It's, you know, you can get a inexpensive bottle of wine and then you could, it's not just everything that they offer by the glass there. You can go in and select a bottle and they'll cork it for you for 10 bucks and you can just, you know, whatever. So you, anything on the shelf. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's nice to have in the neighborhood for That's sure. That's great. Um, has that industry, obviously, that industry, that sector of retail and wine, now that COVID, is that blown up? Or I, in I feel some like there's ways, mixed, yeah, there's yeah, kind of like mixed. mixed. Because I think, you know, in some ways, um, you know, they have lost a lot of revenue in terms of people being able to sit because their patio is not huge. Um, but in other ways, you know, Ping was really smart because... Um, she did Zoom wine tastings with winemakers, and so you could come and pick up the three bottles they were going to taste during the Zoom tasting. But then, you know, also during COVID, everybody was drinking a shit ton of wine and booze. Yeah. So she, I, I just feel like, yeah, it shows her place. Everybody just everybody got hammered, the, got entire hammered the entire time. It was crazy. Oh, boy. Because the days all blended together, and yeah. everybody's just like, sure. I started like, fuck, I'm like, not drinking until dinner time <laughs> yeah. because otherwise, this whole day is going to be shot. Yeah. So. But yeah, I did drink a lot. So what what would you pair this uh, this this white wine? I would with say the... this would be great with any kind of seafood or um, oysters, you know, um, white fish, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, you know, I really like to play off the saltiness in the wine. You know, it's yeah. definitely got great minerality. Um, I would pour you, but I don't know what you are. No, let's have a little splash okay. more. Why not? Cool. There you it's go. Sunday morning, After we right? just talked about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> That was my thoughts. Perfect. Exactly. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers again. Yeah. Yeah, and again, thank you for being open to this. And yeah. and I know that um that that's again part of that humility and you know, being able to open up and that's why like sometimes when I'm searching for some of these psalms in Detroit or Chicago, like it actually takes a certain person to be able to sit here and like have a, have a casual conversation yeah. and really be okay with talking about pooling tips. Like, what does that exactly mean? And, and breaking it down for both um, 
the, the experienced and the non-experienced. So thank you. I do yeah, appreciate that. Of course. That. I mean, it's like I said, I'm de- I would never call myself the smartest person in the room. Yeah. But I love talking about wine and yeah. I love hospitality. Um, it's actually really important to me. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I was a single mom and I was a server for a bunch of years in San Francisco, that's how I got by. I was a server. And that's, you know, uneducated yep. lady with a yep. small son in San Francisco. I mean, what else am I going to do? You know, yeah, it yeah. saved my life. Yeah, that's awesome. What, what was San Francisco like? San Francisco is pretty cool. Yeah. I liked it. All right, I'm looking all casual here, man. Oh, man, I got my mask on. I got that's, my glasses hanging. No, like, I man, I think sorry it's, about I that. I think it's just fine. You're, <laughs> okay. you're fine. We're, we're sitting here drinking yeah, some yeah, wine and yeah, chatting. Right, exactly. If you have your glasses hanging off your... <laughs> At least you're not wearing a V-neck, okay? This is a deep, <laughs> deep, deep V. You don't have a deep V, so it's okay. <laughs> Imagine if I showed up and had a deep V. I would be like, eye oh, roll. You'd be like, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, shout out to everybody wearing deep, v, deep V-necks out there. <laughs> so San Francisco, San what was Francisco, it like? San uh, Francisco was amazing. Um, you know, I, I moved there, I want to say in the year 2000 uh, worked in a lot of restaurants there um, but it's actually the first place that I ever realized that I wanted to be a som. okay so um, the first time that I started really enjoying wine was at a restaurant that I worked at in Denver Colorado called Carmine's on Penn it was Italian I started enjoying wine and Italian wine that was the first wine that I ever started learning about um, and when I moved to San Francisco I was like you know I really kind of dig this and now I'm like by wine country and everything so yeah um but I started working at a restaurant called uh, Boulevard Restaurant uh it's uh, right across it's on the Embarcadero right across from the ferry building amazing amazing restaurant really delicious food kind of fine dining you yeah know, that was probably one of my first sort of real fine dining restaurants and they had a psalm there um named John Lancaster and uh working with him even though he was he was a little bit of a hard ass on me, but um, working with him, I was like, you know, maybe I could do that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was great. And, you know, San Francisco is just so beautiful all the time. Mm-hmm. It is, the weather for me is perfect. You know, it's just kind of spring, fall type weather yeah, all the time, all the time. except yeah. for in March when it rains for like a month straight. Um, I like the rain. We had a, we had a bad storm here the other night. Yeah, and I'm it was like, bad. I'm like, this is not actually like seeing the rain, but like going out in my parents' backyard, it's all flooded and stuff. But I'm yeah. like, damn, it was, yeah, bad. It was coming down. It makes hard. my hair look terrible. So yeah. I, I really don't like the rain. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's petty, but yeah, that's whatever. So the, the wine country in, in uh, San Francisco or the areas up there, um, can you explain the difference between like Sonoma and um, Napa? I mean, you know, to be honest with you, I really. I, I hope I don't piss anybody off by saying this. Napa feels a little pretentious. Is that, me, yeah. You know, and it's very expensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and you can't really get a lot of wine for a, a good value. Some people know. wear that wear those comments with pride, as a badge of pride. Though. Yeah, of course. You know sure, what I mean? So sure. some people like it because it is that way. You know, you and know. More power I, who to am them. I to tell anybody what to drink <laughs> right, or what they yeah. like, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's expensive and it's, you know, the big dogs, you know? Yeah, they, yeah. Um, I like Sonoma a little bit more because uh, they're more farmers. Mm-hmm. They're like paying attention. They're like it's a craft to them. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where the big houses are maybe just not paying as much attention. Yeah. So, now, how many cases are, would like a big house put out a year? Millions. Millions of cases. Yeah. Damn. 
yeah, I mean, a couple million, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. But, you know, how, how, how much has your tan- hand touched those bottles or that wine, you know? It's like, yeah. at that point, it's just a production line. Yeah, absolutely, so. absolutely. And, and I was just trying to create the contrast to somewhere like a Sonoma or a smaller vineyard in Sonoma. Are they putting out maybe like 500,000, 200,000, yeah. 30,000? Yeah, I'm sure there's some that something are, like that. yeah. But I mean, you know, the difference is if you're driving around up there, you go to a tasting room in Sonoma, sometimes the winemaker's in there pouring the wines, mm-hmm. and you would never see that in Napa. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's like some great <coughs> Napa producers. I was up there last year, and it was it was beautiful. But, you know, I did that because it's important for me to understand the wines from there, too, because there's always going to be a market for that. Yeah. And I do know that the only th- really thing I took from that whole trip, because we went out there two years ago to Sonoma, um, we our driver, very very nice man. I, I wrote down his name. I, I would love to give him a shout out. But anyways, very <laughs> nice man. But he was basically saying like 2012 was like the the actual turn of wine. And then I also after that after I wanted to, if you could speak on 2012 a little bit more. But I wanted before I forget about the California wine that won the tasting in. France, maybe yeah, was, about, uh, uh, and there was like a documentary on it. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that one. Just, I think that was Montalena, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I could be wrong. So is that that was a? It's a that wine won the best. It cap, beat the French wines. It beat the French because wines because they were tasting them blindly. Gotcha. And what type of varietal was it? I mean, it's Cabernet. Dominant. It was a Cabernet. Yeah. yeah. And what is the like? I guess. What was the tasting for? for like a an award or yeah, every year like they the have gold medal of something you know yeah i can't recall right now i, I had yeah. baked cheetos for breakfast there you go nice and uh, a sirico yeah there you go. And now, <laughs> now we're on the wine <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't have anything for breakfast uh it's great though yeah it's good times, <laughs> hey, it's good times. <laughs> so 2012 in california so what what happened i mean obviously there was a or i'll let you explain it yeah, I mean, there was a big turn. It was right at the beginning of a bunch of amazing vintages, you know, yeah. like 13, 14, 15. They just, it's been like a, a run of incredible vintages. There's been like a lot of turmoil there, too, in terms of like the fires and everything like that. So I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what he was talking about. Yeah, in I, think particular the, I think it was the fires. But, it was just, uh, you know, right after that, there was a bunch of amazing vintages. So. Yeah, and in, in the fires that are still burning i believe so So it's like a lot of my friends are posting about it you know and you're seeing pictures and other people that are like if you need to come stay with me yeah you know yeah that's here for you like in you know i know that there are voices out there that say media 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 but it i mean there are other shit that could just we get so inundated with this bullshit going on right now that we don't hear about shit like that right like where california is still yeah, in fucking guys dire that are like really getting yeah screwed right in now, so. in my homies down in new orleans and that fucking water that's going on like that's crazy like there's big yeah. issues going on here guys yeah. like yeah it's our world is a crazy place right now fucking crazy place it's a crazy place um, and then what about, uh, I know we're kind of going all over the map here, but, uh, the James Beard Awards, I know that they took off this year yeah. or something like that. Can you, exp- uh, did they take off this year or do they, I think they decided to just kind of like cut it, cut it loose this year. Um, originally they had moved it back because, 
a few years ago they moved it to Chicago, the actual award show. Right. Um, and then was that at the Civic Opera? Or yeah, the was Opera it? House. The Opera yeah. House. Yeah, yeah. And then they sometime like about halfway through shutdown, they were kind of talking about like maybe pushing it back to like September, and then they just they just said we're not going to do it, which makes sense, you know. Absolutely. Kind of. Nobody should be gathering in large groups like that right now. And, no. And you know I. I understand that the restaurant industry really sort of needs that boost, but yeah, we've all got to be really careful. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, I think I think it's would be in bad taste, right, yeah. to celebrate like people because you know, as we said kind of before, I said before, like unfortunately, the hospitality industry is really suffering, and it's yeah. it's pretty dire out there for for people in the hospitality industry. Yeah, I mean, I'm grateful to have um, a job right now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, being offered a job straight out of shutdown, I was like, thank God. Sign me up. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, you fucking work your ass off to yeah, do, be, able to I mean, be in that, too, you yeah, know? Yeah, but, I, you know, I, a lot of my friends, that like other Psalms, you know, they're, they're taking server positions yeah. and things like that. And it's like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not easy for everybody right now. And, you know, everybody's no, eating a lot of humble pie. It's like, well, I got if, if I'm yeah. going to have a living, then I have to... Yeah. This is what I gotta do. I tried to buy that domain one time, Humble Pie. Didn't wasn't available. <laughs> <laughs> so I That'd bought the domain. Amazing. I bought the domain Humboldt Pie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Because I there's obviously Humboldt Park in Chicago and then there's a Humboldt in California. Yeah, that place is crazy. So HumboldtPie.com. dot owns it. So whoever everybody wa- everybody cool. wants that. Yeah. <laughs> total right. tangent. Total I love tangent. That. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um and I know in uh in Chicago they have the uh Blanche Awards, is it? Or is uh, it the Blanche. Blanche? John Blanche. John, yeah. yeah, something like that. Does, does Detroit have any like local awards? Yes. Um yeah. there's the Nick Drinks. Um, okay. It's a it's on a much smaller scale though. Yeah. Um yeah, but they have that. And okay. that's sort of like that's more based on like beverage professionals yeah. yeah and um speaking of candy bar did you get you on the right one i was making sure i, was, yeah, I had still the back it, to the that, back yeah exactly <laughs> it's confusing yeah. <laughs> you got my uh, banged up microphone here too um yeah because uh the reason i was asking that you mentioned candy bar which is in the siren hotel uh-huh. um if anybody wants to check that out we'll put the uh, link in the description, but yeah, I don't that, think they're open right now, though. No, I don't think they're open right no. now either. Um, but that hotel won an award for hospitality or, or design as well. Uh, I think two years ago, something like that. Um, yeah, they have the most amazing. Um, it's just like a really beautiful room. They've got a great chandelier in the middle of it that I, I heard yeah. weighs fifteen hundred pounds or something like Damn. that. And they had to like bolt it in the roof. It's all pink. Yeah. yeah so that's a big there. yeah. It's very pink. Very pink. Yeah, but uh, it's a great bar. Yeah, I do recommend going there. And then Carl's also upstairs. Yeah, and actually, um, Parameda Sound next door, the record yeah. store, and it was at that point a wine bar. I actually DJed there back in October. You did? Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. Liz, all right. Now we're talking. Yeah, I got a bunch now of weird talking. random shit in my background, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, uh... Yeah, I was trying. Uh, that's so funny you bring them up because I was trying. I called them to see if we could have the conversation in here, in, in there, and they didn't get back to me. But uh, uh, 
Andrea put me in con- contact yeah, with him too. So yeah, he's cool. Yeah, and and because uh, that would have been hilarious if like we were able to secure that location um, for this. Um, but I wanted to give a shout out to Kate Williams. Yeah. Uh, she's another advocate for the women in hospitality industry, for mover sure. and shaker in Detroit. Um, has Lady of the House. I went to the her brother's school in high school, so I went to Catholic Central, mm-hmm. and and so I've known her. Just you know, I have, we're not close or anything, but anyways, yeah. but I always try to support her and like go to the restaurants, and um, that has been awesome. Are there other people kind of in the like women advocates specifically of Detroit, or is it? I mean, yeah, there's Ping for sure. Yeah, um, you know, Ping's a big one. Uh, her chef Sarah Welch. Yeah, you know, another really great chef. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I would say that's a couple of my favorites right now. Cool, uh, definitely. You know, obviously, Madeline Trafon, who's in my tasting group, is like, she's just one of the most amazing people. You know, yeah. she's smart, she's humble, she's genuine. You know, and whenever she talks, I'm like, shut up, everybody. Madeline's talking. I got to hear what she's saying. You know? Yeah. And she's just, she's a superstar. Is there a uh, close community of tasters within within Detroit? Are you, like, I how often so. you, like, I really wasn't uh, aware of, like, I mean, I did. I guess I just didn't think about it. Where in Chicago, you know, there's a group of psalms that get together like every Tuesday and just taste. Yeah. And I never thought that that was a thing. Is that like a thing? Yeah. Common thing? It's a thing, yeah. and it's important. You know, um, my group I, is a bunch of superstars in Detroit. You know, obviously Madeline, Madeline Trafon and like other restaurant owners like Evan from Selden Standard, and yeah. you know, a couple of other people that are just like they really are rock stars. So what we end up doing is, you know, somebody chooses a theme mm. and then we all bring a bottle of that and we blind taste it. Ah. Um, and then we, you know, that really helps us sort of hone in on the wine itself and just sort of understand the thumbprint of it, if you will. And um, that's been really super helpful for me. Um, so so when people and I, I believe I asked the last song that I had on here, too, but uh when people describe wine as like plus plus or minus minus, what are they, what exactly are they saying? Are you are you referring to like the structure of it? Yeah, or? is that or is that how? I mean, I do. do you guys, no, do you I guys do that. Like, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, because you know, if like for instance, if you're talking about the weight of a wine, yeah, you know, is it is it light? Is it uh, medium bodied or is it full bodied? You know, sometimes there it's a wider spectrum than that. Sometimes you find a wine that's like between medium and full bodied. You know, it's like it's just a, a hair heavier than medium yeah um and i talk that way and what would you call that a hair heavier than medium like medium, bl- plus. medium plus <laughs> it's say it's like i do the same thing with acid you know would you yeah. say the acid is high you know it's medium plus you know? yeah <laughs> medium minus you know we do that a lot so. gotcha gotcha um well, i guess we should probably move on to yeah. the red here well, too now we gotta chug this yeah one, right then. oh jesus no <laughs> Oh boy. Mm. Sirico shots. We drank half that bottle. Yeah. That's, uh, hey, you know. The, now what would you describe? And obviously we just chugged it, but uh, <laughs> what would you describe the viscosity of that wine? Is it. I would light? say it's sort of medium. Medium? Yeah, medium minus. Okay. Um, because it's by, by no means is it really light. It has body, um, you know, it has complexity. So, you know, it still leaves you with a lot to think about where light's just going to be kind of like high life, you know, easy going, just yeah. Sort of yeah. real sippy. And I love high life, but, you know, 
makes me chubby, so I can't drink it. But that's if I drink beer, that's what I drink. What's well, the champagne of beers, isn't yeah. it? There yeah. you go. That fits. Yeah. That fits the mold. Okay? Yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> that's too much. <laughs> um, so for the next wine, I actually wanted to bring something from Corsica, because I am weirdly fascinated with the Mediterranean basin. Um, this is Domaine Vitricier. Um, and it's from actually the east side of Cor- Corsica Island, uh, the Ile de Beauté. Um, it's a blend, and how am I going to talk about this? Yeah. <laughs> um, the primary grape is a grape called Nieluccio, which is Sangiovese. Mm-hmm. And they also add in another grape called Sia Corello, which is, I thought it was Grenache, which would make a lot of sense in terms of what's going on in that whole area, you know, the south of France. Um, and from Sardinia and Spain, you know, you kind of like see that in that whole area. And then there's a little bit of Syrah and Merlot. Gotcha. Um, Corsica is very interesting to me because um, it is a French island, but Mm. uh, the language or a lot of the words are um, medieval Tuscan. So, you know, you're looking at that whole area there, you got France, Corsica is just beneath that, Sardinia and Sicily. And then there's Elba, which is where um, they made uh, Napoleon go when he when he got in trouble. And then there's... The, you got a little bit of trouble. Yeah, I got a little bit of trouble. <laughs> and then the Tus- Tuscan coast there, you know. Gotcha. So you kind of see a lot of the relationship between all the grapes there. And I don't know, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. It's really, I'm really fascinated by it. In fact, I just put a wine on the list at Casa Pernoy that has Alicante Nero, which is Grenache. Wow. So Grenache has a different name in a lot of areas in that area. So Gotcha. I like the wines from Corsica because, you know, this one in particular has a little Syrah and Merlot in it, but um, the Sangiovese is very interesting. It's a little bit more rustic, I would say, than some of the ones from Tuscany. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're a little spicy. You know, you could probably enjoy this with, like, you know, some braised meats or something like that. But it's not like the most compelling wine of all time. It's just really nice and soft and just a little bit spicy. And, you know, now that we're talking about it, cheers. Yeah, cheers. We're going to be hammered by the end of this. Love it. <laughs> you can really smell the Syrah in Oh, there, yeah, you, you definitely know. can. You definitely can. It's nice. It's light. You know, it's uh, not super structured. Um, you know, not you a can, lot of tannin either. Yeah, it's really it's nice. Just got, it's just nice, soft, and easy. Interesting. Um, and how do, how do you come across this one? Uh, years ago, uh, I was at, uh, what's the, Bistro Sommelier in Paris. Ah. And this is when I was studying for one of my exams. I don't remember which one it was. And the Somme brought out some, some wines from Corsica. And at that point, I was tasting, blind tasting so much. I was really good at it. I'm yeah. terrible at it now. <laughs> but at that point, I was like on point. And yeah. he brought me some wines, and I was like, what in the hell is this? I yeah. don't even know what this is. And then I found out later on that they were Corsican. And so since then, I've sort of been having a love affair with Corsica and looking at the images of the island, which is amazing. You know, it's, it's six miles from the coast of Sardinia. Like, they're all really right there. Um, yeah, it's and really just, good. you know, really fun, interesting wines. You yeah. Know? What, why uh, Why did the French have a, a fascination with rosé? Because it's delicious. No, I know it's delicious. But, like, <laughs> when people, like, they go to France, at least for me, my experience in south of France specifically, is heavy, heavy on the rosé. Yeah. 
Like that's they drink that shit like water. Yeah. For sure. And it's really good. Yeah. yeah which yeah. I don't mind. I didn't mind when I was there. Yeah. I, I love rosé from the south of France. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They just do it really well. You know. Yeah. Uh, again, like another grape that they use sometimes in that blend. So you see Grenache in there too. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just part of that weird little area. Yeah. You see uh, Vermentino in there too sometimes, which is known as Vol. Uh, but that's, you know, you yeah, see yeah, Vermentino yeah. in Tuscany too. And yep. it's like sometimes you see it, in, you know, it's part of that whole area. Sorry, that was a weird tangent, but I've been thinking about this. No, a lot. please go to, um, go on tangents. I was um, talking about humbledpie.com, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Rose seems like, you know, the same things to drink along the Mediterranean basin there. It's yeah. warm, you know. Nobody wants to drink a ton of red wine when you're, you know, in Monaco or, you know, in the olive markets in Aix-en-Provence or anything like that. You know, it's just, I, I would think that that probably has everything to do with living on the Mediterranean. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. God, you're. you're I can't I wish, even I want to travel. I want to travel so bad. I, yeah, like I, haven't, I need to go there. Yeah. <laughs> Just Man. that whole area. Check, yeah. out, check out images of Corsica next yeah. time you're on the computer. It's absolutely breathtaking. Yeah. Are you, like, is it, I guess, is it easy to find manufacturers? I call them manufacturer only because, <laughs> like, I'm from the manufacturer, like, sure. the furniture world. So I'm calling them manufacturer. I know that's not the word. Producers. Sure. It's the word I'm trying to say. Um, when you travel, do you find a lot of producers that are pretty welcoming to like allow people to tour? Or how is that? Like, can um, you just call them up and say, "Hey, I'm in town next I month." I usually like, do try and like you know flex my muscles a little bit yeah, when it comes absolutely. to those kind of things. I'm not afraid to reach out to my distributors and yeah. try and set things up. But a lot of the trips that I go on are like you know the work trips where people are like, "Oh yeah, your job must be so hard. You go to wineries and drink wine all day." I'm like. You know, it is still a job. You know, yeah. when I go on these trips, it's like I'm with 40 other people on a bus traveling from winery to winery, yeah. sometimes for like 13 hours, yeah. tasting wine, you know, and it's it's fun, but it's like it's taxing. Still, yeah, it's yeah. like all day long, yeah. you know, taking naps on the bus because we're all hammered and, you know, <laughs> but, uh, well, but people, yeah. all, people just assume that you guys are laughing having a great yeah. time smoking cigarettes I'm and, yeah right you know, i don't know about everybody else but i am napping yeah um but yeah i mean usually they are those trips are set up for us so, yeah you know um for instance i'll have an importer that invites me on a trip and they have an itinerary of different places that we go to and mm-hmm. it's every you know people in their portfolio so Speaking about portfolio, is um, Great Lakes the biggest distributor? They're like the number one here, right? I think so. Are there other... RNDC is pretty big. Um, Yeah. I find that I buy a lot more from Great Lakes, and they have a um, a smaller uh, little book uh, within their huge umbrella called Little Guy, who I think does a really great job of bringing in smaller producers and kind of, you know, more thoughtful wines. Um, you know, I definitely have my favorites here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very different from buying wine in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, know, I mean, breakthrough in Southern and Chicago are fucking juggernauts. Yeah. Like that's hard to break in. Cream, obviously, yeah. still in, in Chicago, but yeah. Yeah, I'm some sure of my vendors in Chicago thought I was kind of a thug because I was like always trying to muscle them to give me better prices, and you can't do that here. So <laughs> yeah. can't do that here in Detroit. No, no, you can't. No, the laws don't allow it. So. Uh, 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 ah, yeah. uh, 
Yeah, yeah I, I had one vendor tell me, like, everybody started making a lot more money when Liz Martinez moved to Detroit. I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, in the, when I was working in the hospitality industry, we did, like, a uh, crazy drop. I, th- I want to say, like, 200 cases of kettle and, like, got, like, another... I don't know how many cases, and I don't even know if I should be saying this out loud. But <laughs> you can do that in Chicago. You yeah, can't know, do it here. We got a fucking crazy yeah, amount. Yeah, there's deals to be made in Chicago. There's definitely deals to be made, and that's an that's a booming. I don't want to say booming industry. I'm just saying that's a very profitable. The Midwest industry. in particular, people drink a lot more. Now, what are the what are the differences? If you could tell people like kind of the differences between the Chicago and Detroit, on that. I would say that you know the ability to sort of like make deals is probably one of the biggest ones, um, and we have the MLCC which controls a lot of things um, here in Detroit. Yeah. Okay. In in Michigan. Detroit. Yeah, in Michigan. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's you know they have a big hand on what happens in the in the beverage industry. And you know they, they so control like, are, a lot are, of everything. Are menu placements still a thing here in Detroit? Like buying menu placements and sponsorships like that, I buybacks. There, yeah, liquor, liquor. You, you know, you can do things like that. Um, definitely not with wine that okay. I've seen. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Which, for those of you who don't do not know, sometimes brands will buy their way onto menus yeah whether it's cocktails or wines so sometimes like the the depending on where you go i don't want to speak for everybody but depending on where you go sometimes the menu is somewhat not thought of by the beverage director like it's actually a purchase it's a deal um so some places that only have products from great lakes or something right right exactly so which is fine just educating educating the people out there they have a lot of great products yeah so yeah yeah and i just think that that's again part of the hospitality industry that people a lot of people don't see and you know when people go into bars and they see all the neon signs it's like yeah they gave that (laughs) you know like some there's a reason that's up there and I just remember when Red Bull, I don't, I don't even know if they still have, like, their perfect pour thing. Like, the Red Bull was a big, like, back in, this is, again, when I was in the hospitality industry for a minute. But they would have their perfect pour, and they would uh, put, give you so many cases, whatever, and get the cooler in there. So. Oh, man, that Red Bull. That Red Bull, right? Do people still drink Red Bull? Yeah, sometimes do they? they do. Yeah? I'm surprised by it, but they do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I, I don't just get it don't either. get it. <laughs> um well yeah the the uh the menu placement the buyback and, and how i guess i i, I want to somehow transition this into the, like the design of restaurants like what do you think about space and how that experience kind of affects the experience of the diner well um you know it's like when we selected where we were, where we were going to sit today to True. do our podcast. Yeah. You know, um, I like to sit in a restaurant that feels warm and not sterile, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, you know, that's everything. That's the lighting. Yeah. That's we, the We colors. were going to do it in a small conf- conference room just so everybody aware. Not to cut you off, but yeah, we're okay. going to a very small conference room. It's a little tight. It's a little stuffy. And this now we have women. plants around like, us, you know, and we have like these sun warm colors here. Big windows behind us. It's so, great. That is great. You know, this is, you know, this mm-hmm. is sort of a good comparison of that. Um, the lighting affects everything. Um, 
because I was a DJ. I just yeah. Did, I want to hear more about that so, after. I have a lot of weird things. No, that's that I did in my awesome. Life. Um, but I actually like t- turntable type deal. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. I cannot wait to talk about that. <laughs> cannot wait. But I, I did the playlist with a little help from um, my AGM, who's from here, but I worked with in Chicago. Damn. And now she moved back here. I'm telling she, you, it's, it's the Chicago Detroit like correlation. It, but the thing is, is like I feel like Detroit always hates on the Chicago people, and vice versa. It's just I'm, I'm like Detroit you guys is a very like, tight knit group. Very tight knit group. You know they don't like people coming in. Yeah. Um. That's that's why I think you know there's been some issues with people coming here and opening restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. That's been problematic because of that you know what i'm but, saying yeah and, and i found that out just in the past two weeks and i've always known it's a thing but now that like i'm trying to like plant the flag here like yeah. it's like no you guys like i'm from here like it's yeah. not like i'm from from chicago and then coming here it's like no i'm from here i went there came back now i'm trying to put both both cities <laughs> on so it's it's difficult um but that's cool so yeah so my agm right now worked with me at purple pig okay. shout out to nicole amin Yes, you got into the mic for that yeah. one. There you go. Because I'm Nicole. really, I'm really grateful to have her. You know, it's like I, she and I worked at the Purple Pig. It's it's a difficult place to work. She knows how I work. She, I, she's good under pressure, and now she's like. How many lunch covers did you guys do at the Purple Pig? I mean, we would rarely break it down to to that. It was just, just constant like people. A thousand covers a day. That's it, <laughs> and it was constant. You, know? you had so many people at the Purple Pig, you couldn't even fucking do the covers. It was crazy. It was. Uh, That's a lot of volume. That's yeah. a lot. And it was, you know, communal seating. Yeah. It was a lot of tre- Tetris because we had communal tables and mm-hmm. things like that. So, you know, I saw some really weird things. It definitely toughened me up a little bit working yeah. there. Yeah. Um, being and for right people on, who don't know, because the Purple Pig is no longer there, it was on Michigan. It, and is, it is, but it's next door to it. It's now next door. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so it was right there. And Michigan then, and... Um, uh, Ohio oh or something? God. No, I'm not Ohio. Just, if you're listening, think of it across from the Apple Store. That'll be the best way to... Yeah, by the Michael Jordan Steakhouse. Correct, yeah. And so they took over the corner bakery place that was oh nice so there. they went more more towards the street yeah more towards the river i would say more oh yeah more towards that. the river yeah. gotcha so but it south. was like purple pig was a little bit back like you had to walk down the side yeah. and then walk over so is it now more of a street presence no it's, it's in a still building in the now you have to actually walk walk through a lobby to get in there ah, so. gotcha gotcha yeah. but it's covered so there you go year round yeah so Oops. we were, how did we get on that? Uh, we were talking about my AGM Nicole. Oh yeah, AGM Nicole. Shout out Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's really great. I'm yeah. grateful to have her. So did she move to the city? Or? She's from Birmingham, which okay. is where the restaurant is. Yeah. So she had gone to Chicago for school, and then ended up staying. You know, she's an incredible singer. Um, so she went to Columbia, Columbia, yeah, Columbia, yep. and um, then her and I worked together at the Purple Pig. So I've known her for like six years, and then I was really grateful about a month plus, month plus ago. Oh my Sorry, God. I had to do it. Um, <laughs> she, she, it took me a second. <laughs> <laughs> she um, texted me to say I might be moving home. Do you have any positions available? And I was like, Hell yeah, get in here, girl. Yeah, yeah. And like yeah. it was no question. I was yeah. like, You're coming. Like yeah. I, I know how to work with you. You know how to work with me. So, and she's you know she's younger than I am, so she knows how to deal with all the technical bullshit that I don't know how yeah, to deal right. with. Yeah, right. So I know. 
That's, you know, she does the computer stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Those keyboard things. Yeah, I'm really bad at that. So. <laughs> well, take me back to analog. What's up with the DJ stuff? Like, are you... Um, you how many records do you have? Like, is it D? I sold about 1,000 of them, but I still have about 500. Damn, okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, I actually was, like... The, you on, like, techniques? You're on, like, Yeah, I had mark? techniques. Yeah, okay. I sold them a long time ago. Okay. But um, I was DJing at a place called Sportsman's Club a lot when I lived in Chicago. You know Sportsman's Club? Sportsman. Why am I it's thinking? It's on uh, Western. Western. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was DJing there about once a quarter. Um, but in my youth, um, the reason I moved to San Francisco was because I was really heavy into house music. Oh, my gosh. So, Love it. You know, that's where the best parties were at that point. Absolutely. So... You know, I was DJing a little bit here and there, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I just been sort of playing around with it since then. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, a, a guy, a local DJ here, asked me to DJ with him at Paramita Sound. Yeah. His name is Peter Croce. Shout okay. out. Shout out. Um, and he and I played a gig at Paramita Sound one night, and it was like five hours long, and I was, you know, is that's a long time. It's a and long shift. Glasses of wine. And Absolutely. I was ready for bed after that. Yeah, so. that's a lot of focus. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of mental focus, yeah. like, for sure. So, yeah, that was the last time I DJed here. Very cool. It's It's been a while. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like music, and... Uh, so, how has the music changed since coming to Chicago, from, or coming from Chicago to Detroit? Uh, you know, I don't really go out that much to, yeah, yeah. Um, like, clubs or anything, or I didn't. Um, Motor City Wine, I think, has some really fun DJs. Yo, shout out Motor there. City Wine. Motor like, City Wine is I, great because they have, you have all walks of life there. It's agreed. like grandmas. It's agreed. like, you know, kids. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. people that just like, want to dance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's everybody. Mm-hmm. Like anybody can go to Motor mm-hmm. City Wine and dance. Yeah, I had a great fucking time there uh, pre-COVID, like right before COVID hit. And they had a uh, three-piece band, a drummer, yeah. a saxophone, and I think a guitar player. And these dudes were working, man. These dudes were working yeah. so good. Like, I don't even know how much I tipped them. Um, but I, because I was talking to Dave, like, right when this was like, kind of all getting going, I'm like, yeah, you know, doing the podcast, like, I would love to come down and talk to you because I know the wine and cheese. For those of you who don't know, the wine and cheese actually started because in the architecture and design community, <clears throat> They have wine and cheeses uh, weekly. They used to have wine and cheeses at firms where the reps would bring in the wine and then they'd show products. But at Wisendale, where I wanted to, excuse me, take it a step further and really invite the hospitality people in. And that's how I met a really great Psalm in Chicago because I went to the manufacturer side and I, when I hosted wine and cheese, like I brought in a Psalm and I'm like, hey, like, don't ask me questions. You need to guys need to focus on Max because Max will do, he'll answer all your questions, which I thought was great, yeah. right? And because people just like throw the wine there and they're showing product, but if you make it an actual experience and then they come in. So anyways, I digress. That is why I've been taking the wine and cheese thing like pretty serious. Like, no, like I want people actually who know their shit to come yeah. in. Um, so anyways, so I talked to Dave and uh, um, unfortunately he uh, wasn't able to join, but Motor City Wine is definitely making it. It's, and they got a great menu, too. It's a Detroit staple, for yeah. sure. Like, you have to go there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's like now because I haven't been post-shutdown. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's it's the place to go, for sure. Yeah. They have a, I was big on uh, concrete barrels uh, and oh, okay. how that tastes. Yeah, I know. 
<laughs> Tried to slide that in there. All right. It was real big on concrete barrels, and uh, they had a few on their menu, actually, um, that had it when I was drinking that. And um, great, approachable, very approachable establishment oh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's uh, inexpensive. Yeah. They always have something, like, weird and interesting to drink, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's like, it is what it is. It's yeah. like... You go in there and you can find something to fun, fun to drink, and you dance and you just have a good time. Absolutely. And there's a retail store there too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what other staples, I guess, should people be aware of that in, in Detroit, or what else would you put on the map? Um, I mean, I go to Selden Standard like every Sunday. It's where's just where's that? Like, it's a it's a really great restaurant in um, Midtown. Okay. And uh, my friend Evan owns it. Uh, their pastry chef was just named one of Food and Wine Magazine's best chefs in America. Oh, nice. Um, and, you know, this food is super solid. Like, it's it's farm to table, you know, it's contemporary. But Evan is really smart, too. He's got a great wine list. You know, he, again, he's not trying to push any sort of, like, Cabernet down your throat all day long. He's, like, he's got interesting wines on his list. Yeah. You know, and it's like you go there and that's, you know, that's what you're drinking, mm-hmm. the fun wines. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I love sitting at the bar there and just ordering a couple plates. And Yeah. It's, yeah, that, that's what I was more interested in. Like, where do, where do you go to, to enjoy your profession? That's, that's probably one of my favorites. Um, Tokoy is probably my favorite restaurant in Detroit. Um, Tokoy? Yeah. Where's that at? Uh, it's in Corktown. Okay. Yeah, they do... Um, Thai-ish food, Thai food, mm. um, but the execution is amazing. I, it's they're open Wednesday through Sunday right now for like, you can sit on their patio and I work those days, so I haven't been able to enjoy <laughs> it that much lately. But mm-hmm. pre-COVID, I would go across the street to Two James, the distillery, have a couple drinks there, and then walk over to Tokoy and sit at the bar, have some Manhattans, and order some food. Yeah, and Michigan Ave. Michigan Ave is yeah. killing it right yeah. there. Like, they, and then uh, Motor City's down the City, down the way Sugar as well. House, Sugar Schema, House, which is a great restaurant. That's yeah. I go there very often. Yep. My yep. grandson is an incredible chef. So Mercury, I mean, it's classic yeah. staple. You're gonna get some tachos there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, I was um, grabbing footage for the podcast of the old train station because I'm in a real predicament because the podcast has in the Chicago edition has the um, the brown line so stopping yeah. at the merchandise mart so I wanted to keep that through keep that theme through and I so I was hanging out in my dad's car yesterday like taking video of the old train station and then I'm thinking to myself like should I do the old train station or should I do the Baltimore stop where the Amtrak goes so it was a very very uh there's a lot Big of places challenge. in Detroit that you can, I mean, there's yeah. some pretty cool areas to ride around in. I, I haven't owned a car in 14 years, you know, because I was in Chicago. Yeah. And everybody here thinks I'm crazy because I don't own a car. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I, I do the city bikes, the Mogo bikes. Yeah. It's like this, the equivalent of Divi in Chicago. Um, and I have my annual membership with them, and I just ride around in the neighborhoods and kind of check check shit out. You know? Yeah, and for I think sure. It's a really interesting way to see the city and sort yeah. of, you know burnt down houses and yeah, yeah. areas that are dilapidated and yeah yeah that's uh still still here too by the way yeah. for sure yeah um well what's uh what do you think the future i know it's a tough <laughs> question but what do you think the future like what do you see the future being as far as hospitality and 
wine and all of that now because it's uh, definitely changed i think yeah. it's definitely changed like i think i think you know it sort of touches on what i was talking about before just people embracing more something that makes them feel comfortable which is warm um genuine hospital hospitable service you know mm -hmm. um i think food that's executed well service that's polished and um warm hospitality professionals um i think you know, I think that's where we're headed, and I think that's what makes people feel happy right now. You know, people don't want to go into a restaurant and feel like it's stuffy or anything like that. Yeah. Like we've all been in a really difficult time. Yeah. And I want to go somewhere and feel happy and comfortable. Do you think the spaces are going to stay large, or do you think they're going to get smaller? Uh, you know, I guess it depends on how long this goes on for, yeah. you know. Um, I personally prefer a smaller space. But, you know, we can't have that right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're very fortunate at Casa Pernoy to have... What does Pernoy mean? Uh, it's... it's Sorry, a, I didn't yeah, mean to put you on a spot about that one. <laughs> God damn it, we were like going through it so well. It's like family or something, or with us, or family, you know. So okay, gotcha. <laughs> with me, I don't I forget right now. We'll put it in the description. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, we have the ability to shut off certain rooms. Yeah. And we have a huge, like, courtyard that we can move tables around in so we're getting super creative with that space and it's i'm grateful to have it but you know the restaurant is beautiful so hopefully if we get to the point where people are feeling more comfortable to actually go in there and enjoy it so yeah i don't i don't know I yeah think, interesting yeah um well you know thank you again i think uh anything else you want to plug or promote or um, just one last thing. Yeah, of course. We're actually doing a collaborative wine dinner okay. uh, with a Valtellina. This will, this will come out probably in like mid-September or so. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> this is at the end of September. Okay, good. <laughs> so um, we're doing a collaborative wine dinner with Trattoria Stella in Traverse City um, and a winery from Valtellina, which is a wine region uh, just on the very northeast tip of Lombardia in Italy, right along the Swiss border. And um, they're bringing in a wine for the two of us to sh show at this wine dinner. Nice. Um, and nobody else in the United States is going to get it. There you go. Exclusive. There's you heard it here. Exclusive. Exclusivity. Yeah. Um, and there's very little of it made. It's a 2009 vintage. They do a lot of Nebbiolo up there. And since Nebbiolo is primordial, you know, Piedmont and Valtellina are like yeah. some of the only two places that do it well. Um, so... Stella and Casa Pernoy are going to do one collaborative course. They will come down to Casa Pernoy on the Monday of our dinner, and we will all do the dinner together. And then the chefs and I are going to go up to Traverse City the next night, and they're going to do their dinner at Trattoria Stella. Nice. So it's kind of a cool thing, you know, yeah, and it's going to yeah. be socially what was the distanced. Date? I don't know if you did the date. 28th and 29th of September. 20th and 29th. What are, what days of the week are Monday and the, Tuesday. Monday and Tuesday, yeah? Yeah. Traverse City's been great. Yeah. I mean, that's a great little town yeah, up there up for there sure. Yeah, it's just the first time. It's great. Yeah, for sure. And um, since we're talking about wine, a lot of cherries up there. For yeah. those of you who don't know in Chicago, uh, Traverse City is the cherry capital, I think, I or think something. I think so. There was a lot of places they, that they were hold, named Cherry something yeah, up there. They hold I was some like, title like that. I guess there's cherries up here. <laughs> Uh, well, that sounds like a great dinner. How how much is that running? I'm trying to keep yet? it low. I don't know yet. We're still doing okay. menu planning, but um, you know, there's some 
the, the, the exclusive wine is pretty amazing. So that's yeah. going to be yeah, yeah, probably tough. the one that really drives that price. But, you yeah. know, the chefs are talking about lamb tartare and venison and oh, things like that. Damn. So it should be a pretty interesting Oof. menu. Oof. And uh, how many seats are you guys going to allow? I think we can probably safe, safely seat around 50. Okay, cool. Very cool. Um, well, yeah, that's great. Uh, where can people follow you? Where can people reach out to you? Any, um, all the, uh, wine producers out here watching this? Yeah. I, uh, my Instagram is wine nomadic N O M A D I C. That's sort of like referring to all the different cities that I lived in and sort of yeah. me being like a wine gypsy. I like that. Um, and Casa Pernoy is the name of the restaurant that I'm currently at. So. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you, Liz. Let me get one more cheers. Yeah, and I, I appreciate you uh, coming on and talking. Happy Sunday. Thank you.